Excellent. Well, we're trying to catch up some space from what, where we were before Christmas and looking at this. How many of you guys can see what I've got on the board here? I've had all the adults looking at it. Many of them come up and look, and they're trying to figure out what's happening. Can you figure out what's happening? That's a math problem. It's a math problem. Well, I don't know if it's a math problem. Yeah, there's not squares this time, is there? So you're going to have to work with me because we got like this thing to go through. Yes, hon. Yeah, I have no idea. Interpretation, please. Um, so we're, we're going to get started. So this, have any guys have ever heard of a timeline? A timeline. A timeline is where you have this event and then you follow along and then this happens and this happens and this happens and this happens and it kind of shows you how things unfold. So when you look at the Bible, the Bible is a timeline. The Bible is God's unfolding story. This is what God is doing, the way he's working. And actually, if you belong to Jesus, well, actually, because you're alive, you're part of that story. Your story is part of God's story, and he's brought you into his story. And if you belong to Jesus, the end of your story is amazing. If you're not belonging to Jesus, bless you. It's not a good end. But here, we want to start with the very beginning of the story and the beginning of the story is where creation happens. How many days does it take for God to make everything? Six. six days. He makes everything in six days, not because he had to, but because he decided that he was going to make that going on. So six days he creates. What happens on the seventh day? He rests. He rests. Does God tired? do you think? You think so? No, God never gets tired like that. He doesn't sleep like people do. He rests. He makes the day holy so that you and I have a day that we can rest. God made six days you shall work, but on the seventh you should rest. God made the Sabbath for us, not for him. He didn't need it. He didn't need it. But God makes everything in that six days, and he makes people and everything. There's no death. There's no sin. There's no sickness. And he gives Adam and Eve, really he gives it to Adam. He gives the command, don't eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Not because God was being cruel, but God said, listen, you can trust me. I can lead you. Trust me. I, I love you and follow what I'm saying. But then what happened? Adam disobeyed. And what happened was, it's called this. It's called the fall. The fall of all humanity happened at that moment. Sin came in, death came in. In fact, it got so bad that God says, I've got to clean everything up and kind of almost start over in a sense. He, he delivers the righteous. Those, remember, who, what's his name? Do you remember, remember the guy that he delivers? Noah and his family. And then there's a flood. So you got creation, the fall, the flood. 
And then after the flood's over and, and things start over again and God sends all the people out, and then instead of doing what God said and going populating the earth like he had said, they decided, hey, let's make a tower. Let's get to heaven ourselves. And it was the Tower of Babel. Then as God comes down, he actually comes down and has a look and says, uh-uh, guys, this isn't good. So then he divides up all humanity by language. And all the languages. All language then comes from that standpoint and spreads out all over the world. Because if you, you hang with people you can talk to. Because if they have a different language and you're not speaking language, you can't understand. It's really hard. So you look for people that, oh, you speak my language? I speak your language. Hey, that's great. Let's hang out. And all over the world they went. The nations were divided up. And then there was a place called Ur the Chaldees, big city. And God, God, um, God, God, God calls a particular man. He says, hey, nope, not now, hon. He says, hey, Abe, Abraham, he says, Abraham, he says, come, yeah, he says, come and follow me and I'll give to you a land and I'll make you a great one in the earth. And he says, oh, I've got a wife. Yeah, bring her too. It's a good idea. So he calls Abraham and Sarah. The only thing was, is that, 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 that they couldn't have any kids. So how is he going to have a great family and have like children as much as the stars are in the sky or the sand on the seashore? So God has to fulfill a promise and he has to do a miracle for them so that they can have kids. But then what happens was, is that before it happened, Abraham's wife said, hey, hang on, why don't you uh, uh, take another wife named Hagar? And uh, they had a, had a boy named Ishmael, but that wasn't the son of promise. The son of promise was Isaac, the two eyes, Ishmael and Isaac. And Isaac was the promised one. And Isaac then had, him and his wife had a couple of kids. They got Jacob and Esau. And then, and then God says, Jacob, I'm choosing you because the covenant that I've made with Abraham is going to be passed. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jacob has an interaction with God. And God changes his name to Israel, gives him a new name. And then, and then, then, then Jacob has... Twelve sons. And then they all go off to... Egypt. The whole family's over there. Joseph goes there first, and then he's in charge, and then the whole family is spared when the famine happens. In fact, God not only spares his people, but there's a lot of people that are blessed because God works. And then they're there in Egypt for... four hundred years. And then they begin to cry out to God, God, will you help us? Will you deliver us? Because they became slaves. And that's not good, is it? Slavery's bad. I've heard some people say, well, slavery's in the Bible. That may make it good. No, God condemns slavery. In fact, if you kidnap somebody, you would die. You don't even get to go to prison. You just die. God doesn't mess around with that. 
he doesn't agree with it. And then so the people of Israel begin to cry out, the children of Israel begin to cry out, and then God raises up a deliverer called who? Who is he? Moses. So Moses is on the scene now. He goes out in the wilderness. He's there for 40 years. God says, go back, burning bush, all that happens. And then he goes back in. He said, I just left there, God. He says, I know, I want you to go in and I'm gonna deliver my people through you. Notice, God delivers his people, but he uses people to be involved. Hallelujah. <coughs> and then we know that in, he, tells, he says to, to Pharaoh that God says what? Let my people go. He doesn't want to obey how many plagues ensue. Ten. It ends up really rough. Because Pharaoh says no. His heart gets hard. God hands him over to his own sin. God hardens his heart. It's not good. Because it ends up costing a lot of people a lot of lives. And the very things that Pharaoh did in taking the lives of the Hebrew children, God turns it around and it comes back on him. And so the firstborn, unless there's blood and the Passover is given, unless there's blood that's offered on the, on the posts of the door, of the house, then the firstborn will die. And Pharaoh didn't believe it. It cost him his family. All of Israel is pretty in bad shape. It's destroyed. God says, I want my people to come out and worship and serve me at my mountain. And they get out to the mountain, which is called Sinai, and God gives them his, his law. How many commandments? Well, there's 10, 10 major ones, but then there's like 613 instructions that God gives him. But he gives them the 10 commandments. God carves it into stone for them with his own finger. We've gone through quite a bit, haven't we? So we go all the way through here and then we come because God now has his people. They're out of Egypt and, and they're, 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 they need a place to worship, but they're moving around. So God gives them a tent, calls it the tabernacle. So they're in the desert, but God's taking them somewhere. He's taking them to the land of Israel. He's going to give it to them, the one he promised Abraham. <coughs> And this is why he delivered them. He, he wanted to bring them in. They crossed the Red Sea. They're, they're, no, they're going to cross into the Jordan. But instead, the people decide, no, we don't want to do it. And they don't go into the land. So instead of going into the land, what do they do? They spend 40 years... walking around the wilderness until every one of that generation dies, everyone under 20 years old, 20 and under. <coughs> then they come back to the land again and they get another opportunity, the next generation does, and God raises up the one to take over for Moses, and what's his name? Joshua. And Joshua takes him into the land. They have victory. 
And while they were following what, what Joshua was saying, because God was with uh, Joshua just like he was with Moses, and then the land got divided up. And again, because there were 12 tribes, there were really 12 sections of land that were, were everything was divided up between the tribes. Well, now they're in the land that God had promised. And they need people to help them because sometimes they started doing what was right in their own eyes. When there's no law and no one do to uphold the law, what happens is everyone says, I'll choose what I want to do, and I'll do what I want to do the way I want to do it, when I want to do it, and that's chaos. Does that happen in your house? When everyone wants to do what they want to do? If I asked your mom, everyone wants what they want to eat, when they want to eat it, that's chaos. So God raises up the judges. Remember like Samson and Gideon and, and these guys, because what happened when the people were doing what's right in their own eyes, sin is there and then all these enemies came in and they became slaves again. They needed freedom. So God raised up the judges to help them set them free. And it kind of went like this. Oh, da -da, na -na, na -na. Finally, God raises up um, um, a particular one. He's like a judge, but things are going to shift now. <coughs> he raises up Sam, Ewell. And behind the scenes, there's another little story that takes place. And there was a lady that came into play, and her name is... Ruth. Now, Ruth is important because of what happens next. Not only is Samuel there, but then all the people say, Samuel, we want a king. We don't want to be like, like, like we have been. We want to be like the nations around us. Give us a king. So what king did they get? What's the first king? Saul. And Saul turned out to be what? Yeah, he didn't really have a heart for God. So God says, I'm going to raise up another one. Someone who has a whole heart for me. And what's his name? David, King David. He raises up another one. Now, King David, as he's younger, before everything kind of kicks off for him and where he starts reigning in Israel. Now, the thing was is that he had the whole thing with Goliath, didn't he? He had the five stones and all those things. But did you know that Ruth is David's great-great-grandmother? So when you read the book of Ruth, that's David's great-great-grandmother. So God was working behind the scenes to prepare each step along the way. And now, our story takes us to a third king. There'll be other kings, but this one now, this third king, he's David's son... But David disobeyed God. He did some stuff he shouldn't have. But then he ended up marrying Bathsheba, and they had another child. And that child's name was Solomon. Can you say that? Solomon. Solomon. Now we're going to have to find out what kind of heart Solomon had. To find out whether he was going to follow in the footsteps of his, great, of his grandfather Saul 
or not really his grandfather, follow in Saul's footsteps as a previous king or follow in the steps of his dad, who is David. So we'll have to wait and see. But what I want to tell you, boys and girls, is this. All of this is happening because God is leading us to this point. All of this is happening because God is leading us to this point. And what happens is, is because of all the messed up stuff that happened after this point, God has to have a way to restore everything. To restore the hearts of people, to restore the relationship with people, to take care of the biggest problem that they have, which is sin. Which is another way of saying everyone does what's right in their own eyes. I'll do what I want to do, and at the core, that's sin. When we disobey God, we disobey our parents even. That's one of the big Ten Commandments. And the only way to deal with it is that Jesus had to come. So God came. God is in heaven, and um, there's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the Son comes, he puts skin on, and then he's given the name Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins. And so Jesus comes to take the problem. Comes as a man to take care of the problem that man has, human beings have. So that in him, we can be... Be saved from our sin. So he dies, the Bible says he's buried, and then God raised Jesus from the dead. Now God is doing this for a people of his very own. And I'm going to use a couple of words here. What's that mean? What does that mean? You ever been in the shop? And your mom says, you want a sweet? And you say, yes. What does she say to do? Get one. Which means you have to choose. I'll have this one. Can I have all of them? Nope. You choose. And so God says he has a people that are chosen. Israel is called God's chosen people. Did you know that? So out of all the nations of the world, God chose to raise up a nation through Abraham... And God was working specifically through this nation and continues to work. And God still has a pro a promises that he's going to fulfill for the nation of Israel. Do you know that? You say, well, they don't deserve it. No one does. Yeah, but they're not good enough. No one has been. But if God wants to put his love on you, do you want to argue with him? God, I need your love. I need your mercy. Can that make other people upset? Yep. 
but I'm not going to reject what God has given to me because other people don't like it. But also, how many of you guys are Jewish? No? Well, how about this? Not only does God have a chosen people with Israel, God has something called a remnant with all the nations of the world. He promised Abraham, because of his obedience and out of him, all the nations of the earth, all the families of the earth would be blessed. And that blessing comes through Jesus. So God has people out of every, every nation, every, every tribe, every people group, every language that he has that are his. And he's bringing them to himself. And if you come to Jesus, you get to be part of this group. The whole world doesn't get saved. Only those who belong to Jesus. So the question is, have you put your trust in Jesus and become part of this group? This is quiet in here. Because I think that there's lots of people in here that might be asking that question. Are you included? You're only included if you come to God through the Lord Jesus. The Bible, God commands all people everywhere to repent. And when we obey that command and we come to God through Jesus, we get to be part of the story that ends well. I wonder today, are you part of that story? If you've confessed Christ and you said, yes, Jesus, and you've received him, well, then you're on that story. Let's pray. Father, we bow in Jesus' name and we thank you that you're a God who's at work through the world and in the nations of the world and that you have a plan and purpose that you're going to fulfill. We thank you, Lord, that the devil's not stronger than you. We praise you, Lord, that people are not stronger than you. That, Lord, you're the one that brings salvation, and your salvation is your power to save. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. And so we pray this morning, Lord, that you would call people to yourself. You would call them out. Give them ears that hear, a heart that says yes. I pray for deliverance and freedom from every foreign thing that would get in the way of them coming and fully giving themselves to you. Every foreign spirit, every veil in the name of Jesus be opened, be torn asunder. And Lord, that ears may hear and hearts may rest fully on what Jesus has accomplished. He died, he rose again from the dead. And we bless these little ones. That they too, each one of them, we thank you for Delorem's confession last week. We thank you, Lord, for her obedience to you. Pray strength in her as she walks this out. 
But we pray for many others that they too would want to follow after Jesus. And Lord, you would make them your very own people, a remnant of your very own, that you will keep them by your power and deliver them safely to your heavenly kingdom. We just ask your blessing this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.